listening to The Defiant Ones, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of Defy. Welcome back to The Defiant Ones. My name is Kevin Deers, uh, the host of this here podcast. We gather here today via the podcast form to chat about Defy. We stop and think that it's been a year since we've been able to gather together to uh, to enjoy this thing we call pro wrestling, Defy, live and in person. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. It's been stressful. It's been uh, very painful, a lot of people, but it looks like we're uh, toward the end of this worldwide pandemic, at least I hope so. Maybe uh, coming back toward the, the end of things uh, and, and with all signs pointing to the fact that maybe in the next uh you know six months or who knows we might be able to get to to, to see pro wrestling again and uh at least we'll be able to get together and high five and, and and shake each other's hands and uh give each other hugs and talk wrestling so things are looking up man and and uh things are definitely looking up for brody king my guest this week on the defiant ones not only is he wrestling a ton for Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, but the hardcore band that he sings for, God's Hate, is releasing their new album, God's Hate. Yes, it's a self-titled album on Closed Casket Records on March 12th. So you can stream that anywhere. Uh, you can pre-order the album. And uh, we talk a little bit about that. Actually, we talk quite a bit about that. And uh, we talk all about hardcore music and, and stuff on this podcast. Uh, if you are wanting some Defy in your life, you want to relive the action, you can watch the Wrestling Channel featuring PCW, featuring Defy, featuring Beyond. So much awesome indie wrestling. I think Defy is on every morning, so so breakfast time with Defy. That's on the Pluto app, which is free in the App Store, so check it out. Again, the wrestling channel. Very, very cool. So without any further ado, let's jump into it, man. My chat with Brody fucking King. Hello, it is the Defiant Ones, the Defiance Patreon podcast. Right now, I'm talking with Brody King. Uh, we go way back into the hardcore scene. I used to see this guy demolishing people in the pit at Rainfest, and now you can see him demolishing people on New Japan Strong or Ring of Honor. Um, this guy is has had a meteoric rise in the world of pro wrestling, and it's it's awesome to see uh, from from stepping into the Defy Ring Championship matches wrestling against pete dunn welcome to the show man what's up kevin how you doing doing pretty good man doing pretty good uh it seems like this past uh year you've done a lot of um a lot of this a lot of streaming um you're big on twitch um and and uh a lot of that kind of stuff you watch wrestling you do in some cooking shows uh, what brought you into the world of being a streamer um I guess just boredom and like needing to find something else to like connect with fans and just keep myself occupied. Uh, recently I kind of stepped away from it though. It, it started to become a little bit too much, especially with, uh, two kids now. Yeah. Um, one, one br pretty brand new. Uh, she's about six months old now. Congratulations. But, uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun while it lasted. I, you know, I might jump back into it at some point, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just a different outlet for me to kind of express myself creatively. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and did, did that pick up like right when everyone, things started to lock down? Yeah. So I started, I think in April and then I, I did it pretty much all the way through the year. 
That's awesome, man. So, uh, so you said uh, you, you've got two kids now. How's it? How's it? Uh, I, I imagine it's probably probably pretty cool. Um, you're not, you know, touring as much right now. You can be a lot more in in your your brand new child's life so much more yeah it's it's been uh pretty awesome honestly like i always feel bad saying it but like the the lockdown or quarantine pandemic has has actually been uh pretty well to me um personally like i said uh i i just had a, a daughter in august and my son just turned two in february so there's been a lot of, uh, you know, milestones and, and personal stuff that has happened that I've been able to be there for that, you know, I might have missed otherwise, you know, walking and talking and, you know, birth of children and everything else. So it's been it's been great uh, as, you know, being a family man, uh, just being able to be home and, and hang out with my kids. Uh, that's I do also feel that guilt, guilty about saying that, like, oh, the pandemic's been a, a good thing. You know, obviously, there's so many people that uh, it's not for, not good for. But at the same time, you know, you, even just um, on a personal level, something like streaming or, you know, um, there's all these little tool belts, tools that I think will will be at the end. We'll all kind of have on our tool belt. Like I'm now doing some video editing, doing some audio editing at home. I never was forced to do this stuff. So now that I'm, it's like, oh, cool. I think we're all going to come out of this. I think a little bit, you know, even like Zoom. I think a lot of people are realizing they can work from home and it's not, they don't necessarily need to go to the office. Yeah, I, I feel like. If you didn't pick up a new skill, like while being locked down, then maybe you didn't make uh, good with your time. Because I feel like there's like so much that I've done and learned uh, while, you know, having to sacrifice my my other trades, such as you know professional wrestling. Yeah. Like I pretty much remodeled my entire house. So I was learning how to be like a handyman. That's awesome. Uh, construction guy. I uh, I remodeled my backyard, so I was being like a landscaper. It's like I learned how to uh, smoke meat, so it's cool. like, I, I just I just kind of like wanted to do like all these things that I've been mm-hmm. kind of putting off because I didn't have time, and like really just dive into it and see what I could do with it. You've also gotten in, not that you weren't in great shape before, but it, it's I see some of the the posts that you have on the internet where it's just like you know you're working out consistently, like you know it's just building muscle, man. It, it's, it sounds like you've really taken the time to, to work on your body as well. Yeah, I, I mean. I was never like a, a, a body guy before. I'm, I'm not by any means now, but yeah. I definitely, uh, you know, took it more seriously. Uh, recently, I, I was able to get a, a home gym set up in my house, so yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot easier, and um, it makes you a little bit more motivated when you look out the kitchen window and you're like, okay, I gotta go work out like today, or else I bought this for nothing and yep. I'm wasting money. So. Uh, and you know being home every day it's it's a lot easier to be stricter with a diet instead of being on the road and eating you know chick-fil-a or mcdonald's or whatever is easy to get at the time yep uh so you have done some wrestling obviously you know not as uh, no touring and stuff like that and you haven't gone over to japan because of you know quarantine and lockdown and whatnot but uh friday nights we can watch you on new japan strong uh and and that's i believe filmed in uh california is that right yeah so it's uh filmed in oxnard which is or port wainimi which is about an hour away from me so it's, that's been really nice and then you've also done some wrestling in the roh bubble yep T- tell me a little bit about that because i'm a basketball fan so i follow basketball they got the nba bubble um 
is it is it kind of a trip to to be inside? You know, you got to probably when you touch down, you got to quarantine, do the testing, and then you know wrestle in this bubble. Is that a pretty wild experience for you? Yeah, I mean the the first time it was definitely different, and it was very like mentally challenging because so. The, the, it starts by they send us an at-home test mm-hmm. uh we do like a zoom meeting with a nurse and we give ourselves like a nasal swab test because it's really weird yeah. to give yourself okay uh, that gets that gets sent in uh you test negative to be able to fly to to baltimore uh once we land uh we go to a, a quarantine hotel and then the next day we get tested again and then we're quarantined for about three to four days and then we're able to do our tapings and do our you know our pre-tapes and stuff like that but like during those three or four days you know you you're in your hotel room by yourself you have to order your food like you don't see anybody yeah for yourself for those three or four days so it's like the first day the first time i went i didn't i only took my ipad and the and the wi-fi was really bad so it was like I could barely even watch movies. Yeah. I couldn't really talk to anybody. Uh, I couldn't even really FaceTime my wife. So it's like, I need a book stuff was all I could do. And it was just like, I felt like I was just like trapped in my own head and it sucked. But now it's like when I go, I take like my PlayStation five. Uh, I have like a Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah. Like, I, I'm like fully equipped to like okay. be there for forever. Nice. Okay. So is the food at the hotel at least acceptable? I mean, we got Postmates and we got all There you go. There you go. So it's like, whatever you need is pretty much there. Fair enough. Uh, So you've done some wrestling during this time. um, And you're also, so so people might not be familiar. If if you've seen Brody at Defy shows and you hear the music, that's not just a heavy band. That's also, that's Brody's band. He's a singer of a hardcore band called God's Hate. Uh, They're on closed casket activities. They have a new album coming out shortly. Uh, And I I saw recently you guys posted a promo photo uh, in the, in the, uh, it says, welcome to Van Nuys. Did you guys add a member? You guys have six members now? Yeah, so we have three guitar players now. That's badass. Uh, and I don't even know if it's out of necessity, but it was just like more out of want. Yeah. Um, so we added Taylor Young, who is uh, Colin Young's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played drums and nails. He's played guitar and uh, twitching tongues. Yep. He's very, you know, highly respected in the metal and hardcore community. Um, he's so also I'll... like one of my best friends. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, an engineer and a producer. And yeah, he records and produces the uh, our band and many bands mm-hmm. that you know in the hardcore scene. So he's very multi talented in that way. Uh, and then we also added Martin Stewart, who plays guitar in Terror, and uh, Donnie Brook, and he's also been like the most consistent um, fill in for God's Hate. Yeah, uh, since pretty much the band's start, uh, we, he's played multiple fests with us and yep. just local shows whenever he can so it you know it was kind of like we have taylor and martin if it is possible to play with all six members that's awesome but you know everyone kind of has their their side project that they might be doing at the time martin might be on tour with Terror, mm-hmm. taylor might be on tour with whatever other band so it's like we kind of have an option like we can play as a five piece or we can play as a six piece but i think collectively god's hate is all six members right now uh i remember i saw and it was at sound and fury uh i can't remember which year maybe oh seven or something and i saw iron age and they had three guitarists at the time it was maybe unnecessary but totally awesome and just super yeah. heavy it looks really 
cool. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like visually that's what we wanted more than anything. It's like, it's not like our, we have the most technical songs in the world. For sure. Like, yeah. It'll, it'll make it heavier and it'll just make it look cooler. Absolutely, man. And, and uh, so the new album, uh, what's the name of it again? It is self-titled God's Hate. Oh, there you go. Uh, easy, easy to remember. So the new God's Hate uh, is, I would say it's available for pre-order, but I think it's sold out. We, we sold out of our first press uh, in 24 hours, which was pretty mind-blowing. That's awesome. Uh, when we put up the... When we were put, recording this record, we basically recorded what we wanted to hear as a band, like what yeah. our favorite music is. And we're like, you know what? We're not going to try to please anybody. We're going to please ourselves. And this is, we came out with nine songs that I think are the best songs we've ever written. And that first song, you know, other people like too. And it yeah. seems like kind of a void of, of heavy, like really heavy bands mm -hmm. and hardcore music like that Marauder hate breed style yep. band. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad to uh, add to that niche and, uh, you know, selling 900 plus copies in a, in 24 hours is pretty good feeling. Uh, but second press is coming and, uh, we also have a limited band press that'll be on the way too. So they'll be out there. They'll be ready. And, uh, we got some import CDs from Japan, cool. like a really cool OB strip on them, like for yeah. you know music nerds like us out mm -hmm. there that respect the kind of thing. So was there ever any um, like concern about releasing an album during a pandemic, like without being able to fully support it? Or were you just like, screw it, let's get it out there? No. So, I mean, the music, this, it took us like a year and a half to like record the record. We took our sweet ass time with it. Yeah. Like, I think music was done last February. And then like, once everything started locking down, I, I just had the vocals to do, but it, we really just took our time with writing lyrics and recording the vocals. We were finally done at the beginning of August. And then it was like, well, we don't really know what's going on. So let's just plan a good rollout and like plan, you know, precisely on what we want to do. Not just like, Hey, here's the record and, and like a t-shirt. It's like, we kind of wanted to feel special so that it wasn't, you know, forgotten. Cause I feel like a few bands of like, put out really good music and then it's just kind of like here today gone tomorrow type thing because mm -hmm. people's attention spans seem to be really short right now yeah uh so we wanted to leave a lasting impression so hopefully you know with vaccines and stuff like that we're able to play some kind of live music at some point if yeah. not maybe we'll do like a you know an online type set or something we'll see what do you think of the online streams are you a fan do you do you watch them i i per, i think they're cool but i'm i'm not gonna lie like i haven't really watched a full one i've watched s songs here and there and i probably sound like such a jerk being you know <laughs> someone who supports local music and also metal music but it's I don't know. I'm not even going to go there because I don't want to want to you know diss any bands or anything. But it's just for me personally, it's just not the same. Maybe it's just not. I I agree, and especially with hardcore music, it's like exactly half of the half of the the you know appeal is being in that live setting and feeling that energy from the band. Um, in my opinion, if you're going to do it, you have to make it special. Yeah. And like, I feel like a band like Code Orange is really like that was niche. the one. Yeah. And like, cause they have these like crazy visuals yep. and they have like, you know, the, the guitar player Slade in the band, he's doing these like 
he learned how to do uh, graphic animation. So like mm-hmm. there's like weird animation going on that coincides with the music. So it's like they've really gone above and beyond to try to like put themselves different than just being a band on a stage and playing a live set. And I that's what I respect about it. And they kind of took their art to a new level. And I think if you're going to be a band to do like live sets right now, that you have to be willing to push the envelope like that. I got to say, as far as hardcore or heavy music during the pandemic, they are the MVPs with that live stream thing because they've just, like you said, and they did it uh, on like a day or two's no- two notice. Like the pandemic happened, like was shut down right as they were about to put out their record. And they, you know, Sonny from Hate Five Six and, and Code Orange came together and did that. So it could be cool. I could see it being cool. Yeah. And, you know, that I think they are the perfect band when you think about like how it's affected bands and what you can do to, to change that. It's like they, like you said, their record had just come out. Like yep. when everything started to shut down, their record release show was supposed to happen like that Friday. And it's like, well, what do we do now? And they, they started a Twitch channel. They started mm-hmm. live streaming with doing like crazy stuff like that. And they did like a podcast. So it's like, They've constantly kept the appeal of the band up and they've kept uh, the attention going by by doing more than just, you know, here's our record. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good luck. (laughs) Being someone that uh, is online and has a lot of followers for your wrestling career, uh, have you exposed any like just wrestling fans to to heavy music yet? It seems like that might be kind of a crossover. You might be seeing some just like, you know, fans of of wrestling and Ring of Honor come to see you guys live uh, if you guys do a tour in the future or something. So I I actually noticed a lot of uh, a lot of my, you know, diehard fans are like guys, people that have always bought, you know, merch for me whenever I put it up and stuff. I've noticed that they were posting about buying the record or like posting a photo of like pre-ordering the record, which I think is really awesome. Because like maybe they were into hardcore music, maybe they weren't, but maybe this is a gateway for them. Yeah. And you know, hardcore music is so close to, to my heart and mm-hmm. like so important to me that I'm, you know, really glad that I get to share that with somebody else. And uh, hopefully that'll lead them down a, a little rabbit hole of, you know, other bands or seeing music in a different way. Come like a year and they're wearing like an irate hoodie with like a Marauder hat. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit, dude. That, that would be pretty extreme. And I would be very proud of them. for that. Yes. Um, all right, man. So we got to talk a little bit about your career of wrestling, man. We, we're here to talk about Defy, but we also want to talk about your career. And, and you've done a number of podcasts before, so you know we don't have to go super in-depth. But I am curious about your first um, interaction with wrestling as a kid, growing up as a fan. Um, what was your first interaction with wrestling? So I, I always say that I, I can't remember a time before wrestling like mm-hmm. it's my earliest memories uh watching wrestling with my dad he was the one that got me into it uh i don't know if he was i've never really asked him like if he was a fan as a kid or not or if he just liked it like as an adult and he thought that i would like it yeah but you know we used to watch old wwf and like the undertaker was my guy mm-hmm. like i never liked the uh white meat baby faces i never liked the hulk hogan's or you know anything like that yep. it was always taker or papa shango or like the scary the scary guys legion of doom uh and i was a pretty pretty big diehard fan until 13 14 like Mm -hmm. uh middle school going into high school age uh that's when i I realized that i wanted to listen to punk music instead Mm -hmm. of 
watch Stone Cold, uh, yeah. which, you know, in essence is kind of the same thing. Uh, but going into high school, wrestling wasn't as cool as, as music was. So mm-hmm. that's kind of when I made that transition. But yeah, I've, music or wrestling was always a really big part of my life. What brought you back? Uh, CM Punk. Me so, too. <laughs> when, I mean, we're pipe bomb, this, right? Yep. How uh, are you? I'm 35. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna be 34. So the the pipe bomb and, and the straight edge society and yep. like being a hardcore kid that was also straight edge and I'm like, wait, there's a straight edge pro wrestler. Like, what is this? And I kind of like, did it make you cringe yeah. at first? Yeah, a little bit. But then when I realized like he actually is straight edge. Cool. Yeah, like that he has straight edge tattooed over his stomach and he mm-hmm. listened to like hardcore bands and stuff. It's like, oh, it's not a gimmick. It's not like someone pretending to like this stuff. It's like this dude is actually legit. Um, but that's what got me back into it. And I even went to uh, WrestleMania. I think it was, I don't even know what number I were now, but 33, I think it was Taker versus Michaels too. It was okay. in Arizona. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and CM Punk wrestled Rey Mysterio. Uh, I think it was mask versus hair. Yep. And that's when he shaved uh, his head. Yep. Yeah. That's when he shaved his head. So that was like when I was really starting to get back into it. Um, I wasn't watching it like religiously, but like, I really liked the idea of it. Yep. And then, uh, when I was 26, Colin had, was dating a girl that was, a the in arena host for the Kings. Mm-hmm. And one of the, King's fans was an old wrestler and he was, and he knew that, um, Colin's girlfriend was a wrestling fan and that Colin was a wrestling fan. And he was like, Hey, if you guys ever want to do like a class or like, you know, run the ropes, take a bump, like, let me know. I know a school in town. So Colin went and did that. And it was like, he, he, he posted some photos online and I saw him and I was like, wait, how, how did you do this? What, like, where is this? Cause yeah. I didn't know that like, wrestling schools were a thing okay i didn't know that that i always thought that like somehow you just went to a wwe tryout somehow and or you got scouted and that was that i didn't know that there was like independent wrestling i didn't know that there was a wrestling schools or anything like that so you weren't familiar with like the indie scene of wrestling at all it was just wwe that it was yeah fair enough so i i knew about ring of honor Mm -hmm. uh we went to like a wrestling reunion thing and ring of honor oh yeah show in uh in la and then uh i knew about pwg a little bit but i didn't know like really how people got to there or what what you know division they were in yeah so uh when i found out that colin had done this i was like wait how do you do this and the older wrestler augie he he took us to a santino brothers showcase that friday and the next monday i signed up for wrestling and you know the rest is kind of history so tell me what was that like your first experience did you take to it pretty easy was it was it super rough for you did you get blown up super fast were you in you know what was the the first you know day and then you know the the month after that and whatnot like did you did you take to it pretty well so i definitely i definitely took to it well um i definitely got blown up my first days yeah you know, we were doing 300 squats and uh, 100 push-ups and stuff like that. It's like halfway through, my arms felt like noodles. You know, I've never really done anything that uh, physically enduring as far as working out. Like, I've always done manual labor for most of my life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, being in hardcore physicality is not anything that I'm not used to. Yeah. So, as far as, like, 
the training aspect of like bumping or getting hit and stuff like that, that was not a problem. Uh, it was mostly like the, the endurance and like the conditioning and stuff like that, that I had to really get used to. It's like, I think the first couple months, like every practice I would like go outside, throw up, come back in, finish the class. But it's like, there was never a point where I'm, I, I thought, you know, I can't do this or this isn't for me. It was like, I was pretty much hooked like the first day I was in there. Did it take a while for you to have your first match? Was it a couple months or longer? Uh, so at, at Santino's, uh, they train you to be fully ready to have a match when you're graduated. So cool. usually it's between a year and a year and a half okay. uh, before you're done. So it's like they want to have like they want they want you to be able to have a good match and make a good impression. I think a lot of schools that they'll push a kid out in a, in a few months and like, maybe they're just not ready for whatever, or they haven't learned enough sure. or, but, uh, yeah, I think mentally I was, I was ready, you know, looking back now, obviously I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but, uh, I was a little bit more polished than, than some other people I've seen have for first match. So I'm very fortunate for my, for my trainers for that. But, uh, yeah, it was about a year and a half training, and I, I went hard. Like I was probably one of the most dedicated guys there. It was me and my training partner Jake Atlas, who's now in NXT. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, longtime Defy. Yep. Uh, alum. But uh, we we were kind of like each other's rock. We leaned on each other a lot, and um, we had like this inner competition. We would go four or five days a week. We would be there for hours, and uh, we would do private trainings together and we were just we were determined to be like the guys that put santinos on the map and i think so far we've kind of done that and uh i mean that was the first time i'd ever heard of santinos was from you but but you um was lucha was lucha training a part of uh you know your your early training because you do some crazy stuff that a guy of your size typically doesn't always do were you training in lucha yeah, so in Los Angeles, it's pretty common for, for Lucha to be heavily in the uh, curriculum. And we have a, a class on Tuesdays that is specifically dedicated to Lucha. Uh, like you do, you know, right-handed lockups and you do right-handed arm drags and everything else. But that was like, that was where I really kind of fell in love with wrestling. Okay. Because I, I found that I was able to do all these things that like, even guys half my size couldn't do. And like, you know, it was in Lucha class where the trainer Zokre was like, all right, today we're going to learn how to do dives. We're going to do choke like on heels over the top, which is a flip dive over the top rope. Who wants to do it first? And everyone kind of looked at each other. I was like, I'll do it. And they're like, all right. And they all kind of like laughed about it. And then I did it perfectly. And they're like, wait, how did you do that? And then it was just like, oh, I've been doing this for Stage years. Dives. Going to punk and yep. Which it's funny because Zokre, one of my Lucha teachers, uh, we were warming up one day and he saw my terror shorts. He's just like, Oh, I used to play with that band. I was like, what do you mean you used to play with that band? He's like, yeah, my band, I used to be in a band called make move. And I was like, Oh shit. What? Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I about your past. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. Like, we like, I instantly bonded with him over, you know, just being a hardcore kid. So that was really cool. And then, you know, he was an amazing teacher. Both Zucker and Phoenix Star Los Luchas are the trainers at uh, at Santino's for Lucha class, and and they're so patient, and they will really truly make you 
an incredible wrestler. Even if you don't use Lucha in your repertoire moving forward, just the footwork and the conditioning will make you a better wrestler. Well, uh, so you get this awesome Lucha, you know, training. You get this awesome training at Centino Brothers. You're now comfortable enough to have a match, uh, and and you have your first match. When was the first time you felt like a click, like like? Or, or, or let me rephrase that. When was the first time you were really proud of one of your matches? Uh, off the top of my head, it was honestly at Defy. It was uh, me versus Strain, the Strain Shane Strickland. Yeah, uh, for the Defy. And that was like, that was my first match where it was with a big name. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that was a big name. Shane was traveled and he was the champion of multiple companies at that time. Yeah. Uh, all companies that I wanted to work for. And uh, yeah, he was like super, really cool to me. You know, I, I'd always heard like, you never try to call matches with a vet and this and that. But like, he was like, what are your ideas? Like, and I'm like, what? Like, you, like you're the guy, like you tell me what to do. Yeah. But he wanted to hear everything that I had to say and see how we could fit it together. And like, um, yeah, he was, he was the man. And, and afterwards it was like, we had this really awesome match that, you know, I watch back now and I'm, I'm still really proud of what we did. And, uh, I, that was after that match, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I get it. Like, maybe this is, cut out for me like yeah. i felt like my ideas really translated well in the match and that you know we uh cohesively put together a really good product and, and that was the first time that i was like this is this is what i want to do for the rest of my life pretty much if it was like a video game in, in terms of you you like leveled up you know you reached the next level so <laughs> at that yeah but definitely leveled up that day uh, so let's let's back up a little bit. Um, what was your goal uh, when you when you got out of training and you and you hit the scene? I, I've heard in interviews you said you wanted to wrestle PWG. It wasn't like go to WWE. It wasn't things like that. It was just you wanted to wrestle PWG. Is that true? Yeah. So I I, I like set like like smaller goals up mm-hmm. until like a larger goal. My my main goal always was to wrestle for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, awesome. Once I became a professional wrestler. Um, you know, I, I think WWE is a great product. I'm proud of all my friends that are there, Yeah. but personally the way that I like to wrestle and the way that I view wrestling, that's not really the place for me right now. It might be in the future. I don't know, but currently I feel like new Japan pro wrestling, that's where I, I need to be. And that's where I, I love. Yeah. And you know, fortunately I am there now, Yeah. but, uh, I, as a as a tra- wrestling trainee, I really became obsessed with watching, uh, you know, early Noah and early New Japan and early Ring of Honor, and that was like, you know, the the top guys in every promotion now are all from that era, yep. and that was this is wrestling at its purest, and these guys are literally putting their hearts on the mat every single night, and like for at that time, it might have been for you know, not as much money as they're making now for sure. And that, that always kind of spoke to me as like a, you know, punk and hardcore kid It's yep. like, we're doing this for the love of it. We're not doing it just to make a, a buck. And I think that that translates, you know, a lot of people that you see that come out of training, they're like, I want to get signed to the WWE. Uh, they either have a, a harder time on the independence or they don't make it at all because they're, they're, 
they don't they're not passionate and you, that translates to their wrestling um you can tell when they're kind of like taking it easy or just calling it in because they don't think it's that important but i could definitely say that there's been no matches unless i've been seriously injured and even then uh that i've ever taken it easy uh but yeah that that new japan was my goal but when i was graduating P- i always said that pwg was my goal because everyone in the local southern california scene always used to say stuff like you know pwg doesn't book local guys mm-hmm. or like people people from california don't get booked other places and, and i wanted to break that mold and i wanted to be the the guy that changed that and I think I was. You were. So tell me, what, what was that a pretty surreal experience the first time you get booked there? <laughs> so I was actually booked for Sammy Callahan's uh, promotion, Pro Wrestling Revolver, in, yeah. in Ohio. Uh, I flew out on a Monday. I think, oh, no, it was a Wednesday. I flew out on Wednesday for a Friday show. Uh, right when I landed in Ohio, I get, a, I get an email from Rick Knox, and it says, check your email right now. And I'm like, I just got picked up from Sammy. We're on the way to his house. And I look at my email and it's from super dragon. It says, Hey, are you available for PWG on Friday? I'm like, shit. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I just landed across the country to wrestle somewhere else. And I look at Sammy. I was like, dude, what do I do? And he goes, I'm taking you back to the airport. You're going home. And I was like, okay. That's and, uh, he's like, you know, I'll always book you for pro wrestling revolver you might not get a second chance at PWG. Yeah. Uh, he knew that. So That's I, awesome. Yeah. He knew that Sammy was the man and he, you know, he helped me out a lot in my younger years. Yep. And, uh, so I, I flew back home. I basically did a, a round trip for nothing. And, uh, are you there? Yep. Oh, there you go. And, uh, yeah, I debuted on Friday. Um, Matt Seidel had been injured and I, and mm-hmm. I filled his spot and I wrestled Adam Brooks. Uh, and it was, it was insane. It was, uh, yeah. you know, the greatest feeling in the world. Uh, I wrestled in Reseda, which is, you know, RIP, one of the greatest independent wrestling venues in the world. Uh, it is now demolished, unfortunately. But you were the local guy who proved that a local guy could make it onto the show yeah. that you know local guys can't make it on, apparently, uh, quote unquote. And it was cool because it was a sold out show. But like once I found out that I was on it, I was able to you know get a few tickets for like a, a couple friends and, yep. and my wife. And uh, you know there, I don't know if there's ever going to be a better feeling than standing in that ring and having Excalibur say you know from van nuys california yeah. literally the entire building like stood up and was like screaming and it's like it was like i was breathless at that moment i felt like i was blown up before the match even started because i was like you know it was just so it was such a crazy feeling i was a hometown guy that, that got to be there again uh yeah and then the match was crazy uh looking back i did way too much and i did <laughs> certain things i'd never done before like Adam Brooks is like, have you ever taken a reverse run? I was like, nope, but I'm going to tonight. Yep. Uh, I'd never taken a Canadian destroyer until that night either, but it was PWG and I was going to go all yep. out and I was going to try to get a job there. And I think I worked almost every show until the pandemic, uh, with PWG. So I think I, I, I set out to do what I, what I tried to do. Nailed your interview live and in person. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to digress here for a second because you mentioned your wife was in the audience. Um, and I, I have to ask, you have two kids now. Your oldest, do they know what dad does? Uh, 
yeah, so my son definitely, I don't know if he knows what wrestling is, yeah. but uh, whenever it's on TV, even if it's not me, it's funny because it's always my friends that look like me. Yep. Like uh, my friend Aleister Black will mm-hmm. be on NXT or Andy Williams will be on AEW. Yep. And he'll point at the TV and he'll just go, Dada. And I'm That's like, That's awesome. Well, <laughs> kind of. I mean, my friend, you know, but. Yeah, but like when I'm, he gets when I'm it. doing like pay-per-views and stuff like that, my wife will watch with him and, and he'll see me and he's just like, you know, gets excited and stuff like that. That's awesome. So it's, it's been really cool. Um, so we're at the point right now where, so I want to ask about how'd you make the connection with Defy? Uh, so I was wrestling for PCW. I was doing like ring crew and wrestling for them. And I think that that's kind of like how I got on their radar. But, um, Jim, I think Jim maybe knew about my band as well. Like, yeah. Jim's been in and out of, you know, music, punk mm-hmm. and hardcore and stuff. And uh, I got a message from, from Matt who was just like, hey, do you, I'm interested in uh, booking you. Would you come up and wrestle for Defy? Uh, we want you to work Big Jack. And yeah. that was like uh, the the Northwest Big Guy. And I said, yeah, of course. Like Defy was the hot new ticket uh, mm-hmm. in independent wrestling. And I went up there and had a match with Big Jack and, you know, I thought the match was pretty good. And then a couple days later, Matt said, Hey, we want to bring you back for our next show. Uh, we want to put you against Shane Strickland. And I was like, what? wait, what? <laughs> like, how, how did I go from like debuting there to like wrestling with champion? So that was like, uh, it was really awesome. Um, you know, obviously Matt and, and Jim have a, a special place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, they did a lot for me. They, you know, they, they really saw something in me that I don't even know if I saw myself, you know, maybe I believed it was there, but I didn't know how to express it. And they put me into some really great positions. You know, I, I felt like I had almost like a, I don't want to call it like a mentor role, but like I had a role with, with shaft where like, I felt like I was bringing a lot out of shaft yeah. and like, I was learning more about myself, um, as being, you know, the veteran of the match, when I'm not even a veteran in the business, yeah. but that was really fun. We had like a really great three part series is epic. Um, where we broke the ring in Tacoma and yep. we, you know, brawled all over the building in Seattle. And like, yep. I really, really enjoyed those matches. Uh, and you know, putting me against guys like Pete Dunn, like yep. could have been anybody, any big name in the world they could have put against or in that match, but they chose me and, and, we got to rewatch that match. That was, you know, the lost footage match, uh, forever, but yeah. that match was awesome. And I, and you know, I loved watching that back with the defiance community. Um, but yeah, it, I, I feel like the, the only thing I, I really not, never got to do was I never got to have the defy heavyweight title. So, you know, maybe someday I'll, I'll have to come back and, uh, claim that. Are you going to call out Randy right now? Randy Myers? Come on. Maybe. <laughs> If, if it's Randy or whoever else is champion at the time, if that time comes that I'm able to come for that title, you better watch it back. So uh, you you show up to Defy. What were you expecting, and had, did it deliver? I mean, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I I had heard from guys that were that had been there that it was it was unlike any other crowd. Yeah. And at the time, like I was doing like shitty lucha shows, so like any crowd was better than no crowd. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, the, the crowd was insane. Like 
it is hands down my favorite crowd of professional wrestling. Uh, and that goes for anywhere in the world almost. Yeah. They love to have fun. They mm-hmm. love to be a part of the show. Supportive, um, yeah. Yeah, they're very, very supportive. If they love you, they will show you in every single way. They're going to buy your merch. They're going to cheer you yep. or whatever. And I, I love the fact that, like, you go there knowing that if you're whatever role you're playing, they're going to play along with it. Like, yeah. when I was being a heel with Cody Chun, they were booing me. But it's like, at the end of the day, I know that, you know, that they love that I was doing my job. It's like yep. some places you're, like, getting booed and you're like, do they not like me? Like, what the what's the deal here? Like, yeah, I'm not really in the field, but but yeah, the defiance is 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 unmatched when it comes to to the energy and just adding more to the yeah. match. Um, I feel like PWG was always a place that got mentioned when you talk about how the crowd was just as important as the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. But I think that even more, the defiance is is just as important as the wrestlers. So. We're, we're talking about the defiance and, and you come from the hardcore community where it's not just, um, you know, it's not the band. It's not a rock star thing where, where, you know, the, the band is on stage and you're not a part of them. If you're go to a, a proper hardcore show, they're all together, you know, whether they're playing on stage or they're playing on the floor, you know, the stage is theirs and the stage is yours and it's, it's all one. The defy community is almost exactly like that. And the defiance is a big part of it. I'm going to ask this question and I, and you know, I ask it in sort of a cheesy manner, but play along. What does the defiance mean to you? I mean, you, you pretty much just nailed it on the head when it, when I think about going to a hardcore show, it's like kind of like when somebody goes, Hey, do you want me to sell your merch for you? It's like, no, I, I want to like, connect with my fans and i want to like and it's not even my fans it's like i feel like we're just part of the same community it's like we're there to support each other in whatever we're going through whether it be performing on stage or being someone in the crowd it's like like you said if you're at a hardcore show usually the band members are standing in the crowd like pitting for the next band or singing along to the next band it's like i feel that same way like with the defy crowd it's like after the match, I look forward to, you know, the, the frequent faces that come up and like yep. chatting and seeing how they're doing and like knowing that everyone's having a good time and that, you know, there's a lot of friendships I've made up there that like, I, I can honestly say that I've made more friends in the defiance than I have any other crowd That's in, cool. in the world. That's awesome, man. I, I got to pinpoint two specific nights uh, that I think are pretty important. Um, you know, not necessarily, uh, well, I'd say probably important in your career. I'm not going to put words into your mouth or anything, but two specific moments that are just awesome. First was uh, the night that we knew it would be your last for a while. And the crowd all had masks on. We all had ski masks on. And just the shot of you, and it looked like, like a... And uh, like a Path of Resistance video from like the 90s, <laughs> like straight edge hardcore show. It was gnarly. Uh, that must have been pretty surreal for you, huh? Dude, it was like, I didn't know what, I, how to react. Like before I went out, Matt was like, hey, just take a moment and look around. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Leave me yeah. alone. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get mentally prepared for this match. And I went out and it was like, I looked to my left and and I see like a couple people with ski masks and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then like, I like kind of scanned the room and I'm like, 
oh my god like the whole fucking room had ski masks yeah and it was like me standing in the entrance like again like almost like getting really emotional while trying to look like scary with a ski yeah, mask on exactly uh but yeah dude that was that was a, a moment that i will never forget definitely one of my favorite moments in my wrestling career and I'm sure you're going to talk about the other one is is my comeback. Your comeback, exactly. So so tell me about that and like uh, you speci- that was like I believe right when you re-signed with Ring of Honor or we're about yep. to. Uh, was that something that you made sure ha- happened? Like uh, specifically, like I got to go back up to Defy or how did that how did that happen? So yes, Uh Obviously, I'm under like an exclusive contract with the Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, usually, not allowed to do outside shows uh, within the U.S. But when I was negotiating my new contract, it was I was like, "Hey, listen, Defy's having their three-year anniversary. They want me to be a surprise. I'm not going to be, you know, on the card or anything like that. So you don't have to worry about, you know, the other guys getting jealous or, or anything." Yeah can I do this match and like kind of write that into, you know, my negotiations and they were, they were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's fine. So, you know, I told Matt, it was kind of like up in the air for a while. He had told me and I was like kind of in the middle of like negotiating my contract. I'm like, dude, like, I don't know. Like maybe like let's hold it as a, as a, like a strong, maybe I'm going to try. And then once I got the word, I immediately texted him. I was like, let's go. And then, you know, he books, uh, a ticket for me and my wife to come up there. We stayed in the, what is the hotel? Is it the Max Max Hotel? Yeah, that's a nice hotel. Yeah, that place is awesome. Yeah, that place is really cool. Uh, and it was funny because like I tried to like, we we did like some stuff around town. I did. It was a complete secret that I was there. I didn't post anything about like traveling to Seattle. I was like trying to post like stuff around like the valley, like to pretend like I was still at home, and then like. Uh, we came a little bit later to the show, snuck into the back, and then, yeah, seeing that video of like that someone had posted uh, of them being like, my music hits, and I'm like, wait, that's Brody's music, and like the whole yeah. crowd exploding when I came out. That is by far my favorite moment in wrestling so far. Like, I felt like you know John Cena at that point. That yeah, was like, that was so cool. So if someone's listening and, uh, you know, they're, they're just now getting into hardcore and they're wrestling fans or they're getting into heavy music, uh, what are, what are like a couple, two or three, just like albums they need to check out on Spotify or Apple music or title or whatever? Oh boy. This is a, this is a hard question. I mean, this is like a, this question would differ between me, between you, between anyone that you asked, like, Hardcore music is a very widely uh, judged category. Like For you sure. can have a band like Hatebreed, who's very metallic and very metal driven, or a band like Bad Brains, who's very yep. you know punk. Uh, but it's all within the same genre. Um, personally, for me, I think Hatebreed, Satisfaction is a Death of Desire, oh, yeah. is one of the greatest records ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, Terror, lowest of the low, uh, for like a fast, aggressive, like in your face record and uh marauder master killer those would be my top three records cool man right on and uh you can definitely check those out and then you can also check out the new god's hate record like you said uh it's it's going to be available in closed casket um you can visit all their uh the closed casket website for that uh last question pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it 
<laughs> uh, let's see. All right, so I have a scar uh, above my left eyebrow. Okay. Uh, it's pretty prominent. You can usually see it if you're looking at my face. Um, when I was probably six years old, uh, I was playing... I forgot what the game is called. So what maybe you might know. What's the game called where like people lock arms and then you try to break through their arms? Is that ring uh uh what is that? Um You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Um Red Rover? Send yeah, something Rover. right over? Red, yeah. Red Rover. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing with some older kids in the neighborhood and I was like determined to break through these people's arms. Yeah. So I ran full speed, uh, hit their arm, did not break through, did like a flip through their arms and smashed my face on like a brick pillar. Jesus. And just like had 15 stitches in my uh, eyebrow at like six years old. I just remember like pouring blood and my mom was like freaking out. We had to like drive to the emergency room and get stitches all because I was like determined to like break through these people's arms in a stupid game in the front yard. Little did they know there was going to be a long lifetime of that. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that trend was not going to stop. If only there was a photo of that, you could make a t-shirt of it or something, man. That that's brutal. Uh, all right, Brody King, how do we support you during this time where obviously we can't go up to you, you know, during at, uh, the merch table at a defy show. How do we support you, man? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Brody X King. Uh, you can support me by buying t-shirts at pro wrestling slash Brody King. Uh, or you can go to the God's hate, uh, website, God's hate dot us. Nice. Uh, and you can pre-order our record whenever the second pressing comes. And there's a lot of cool merch on there that is on there. And we will have some exclusive stuff up there soon. I like the tiger camo hoodie. That's pretty hard. Oh yeah. That's, that's uh that was my, that was the one that I really went for. Uh, and I, I think it turned out really cool. Uh, why don't we shout out the artist who did the artwork? Cause that was exceptional art, man. Your, your album cover is incredible. Yeah. So that's my, uh, my really good friend, Mark Nava. Mm-hmm. He, uh, He's a really talented tattoo artist at Port City Tattoo. He tattooed the Cerberus dog on my back. Cool. He did, he did like the whole front of my my chest. He's a unbelievable artist. Right on, man. So again, yeah, check out the God's Hate stuff. Pick out the uh, pre-order the record. Uh, any final words for the Defiance, man? Uh, miss you guys. I hope to see you guys soon. Uh, whenever I'm able to come back, I will be there and. Uh, Thank you for all the support that you guys have always given me.